Welcome to Sister Scriptorians, where we are devoted to learning, likening, and lifting others one principle at a time. Episode 55, The Lamanites and the Nephites. Hello, welcome back to Sister Scriptorians. Or maybe I should be welcoming myself back. With breaking my arm, I took a two-week break, and I'm excited to be back here once again. If you recall, Laman and Lemuel were at the point where they desired to once again kill Nephi. And Lehi is now gone. He has died. There's contention over who should be ruling over the people. And Laman and Lemuel, they're just so concerned about Nephi becoming their ruler and taking from them what they traditionally believe is their right. Even Nephi's words spoken by the Spirit cause them affliction. And with Lehi gone, and Laman and Lemuel once again feeling emboldened by their indignation, they seek to take away Nephi's life. But because of the tender mercies of the Lord, Nephi was warned and delivered from the evil plotting or perhaps even attempts by his brethren. And he, along with all those who believed in the warnings and the revelations from God and who hearkened unto Nephi's words, they left and they traveled many days into the wilderness. And now we have a division. We have what we will now call, from here on out, we will refer to them as the Nephites and the Lamanites. And choices were made by each and every individual to either remain with Laman or to follow the word of God and depart with Nephi. To believe in a man or in revelation. To live carnally, giving in to the natural man inside all of us or to aspire to higher attributes and God-centered living. And while we dissect and learn from this time period, please keep in the back of your mind from here on out and put your faith in the blessing that Grandfather Lehi left upon the sons and daughters of Laman and Lemuel, especially those who were too young to choose at this point. That their wrongs made in their ignorance because of the failure of their parents to teach them accordingly will fall upon their parents. But still, there are going to be dark days ahead. Man, Carrie, why so fatalistic, you might ask? Because this division, this separation, or this choice to not follow the word of God is not without its consequences. The cursing that Lehi warned his children about as they prepared to obtain the promised land and that he reminded them about once they were in the promised land is now going to come to fruition. And he hath said that inasmuch as ye shall keep my commandments, ye shall prosper in the land. But inasmuch as ye will not keep my commandments, ye shall be cut off from my presence. And so it begins with those who remain with Laman 
and called themselves Lamanites. Remember, despite the warnings, the spiritual manifestations, the miracles, the shockings, the angel, the prophetic counselings, the word of God through scripture and through inspiration of family members, there were still those who were more concerned with power, who fed into their anger, who entertained and attempted to carry out heinous acts of violence towards others, who did not devote the time and faith in learning the mysteries and dealings of God. And that even Nephi's words spoken by the power of God caused affliction in them, and they desired to squash it. All of this led them down the path of the Spirit, not being able to reside, not only within them, but anywhere in their midst. They were cut off from the Lord. That is the cursing. Many will mistakenly believe that the curse was the darkening of their skin that then took place. That is not the cursing. That's the symbol. The distinction made in order to protect and give ample opportunity for the Nephites to stay the course, to remain pure and true to the covenants of the Lord, to prevent a mingling of Nephites and Lamanites, not because the Lamanites now lacked worth in the eyes of God, but to give a visual symbol between those who were with God and those who were choosing iniquity. This separation of the righteous from iniquity gave strength and prevented perversion of the covenants of God. We see that God will go to great lengths to preserve his gospel so that his children can be strengthened by it. In fact, in verse 22 of chapter 5, the Lord says, I will cause that they shall be loathsome unto thy people, save they shall repent of their iniquities. We see the mercy of God delivered. He keeps his promise. With the Lamanites who call themselves the people of Ammon, we'll read about this later in the Book of Mormon, but who covenanted with God, who repented, and they never wavered, and their coloring was no longer a symbol of their heart. They had repented of their iniquities. We would do well by our Lord to know that the color of skin is no longer an indicator anymore. In fact, I believe quite the opposite. That the mixture of colors in each one of our congregations as we come together to worship Father and our Savior Jesus Christ, that it is now a symbol of his love and mercy and evidence that he keeps his promises and evidence of the glory that our journey is leading us to. The darkening of the skin of the Lamanites was not the only consequence that being cut off from the presence of the Lord had upon the people. Because they did not reject iniquity, their hearts had become hardened against God. And here Nephi gives us an interesting analogy a comparison between the hearts of his brethren and flint. What is flint? And what does it have to do with the Lamanites? Flint is a mineral called quartz that has been hardened. Flint is found as nodules within rock and is usually dark gray or black or green, sometimes white 
or brown in color. And it usually has a glassy or a waxy appearance. So by sight, Nephi may be using the comparison of his brethren being hardened, darkened, and lacking the luster that comes with the presence of the Spirit. But how else might Nephi be familiar with this rock? Well, flint was also used to make tools, sharp blades for knives and scrapers and drills. And though this rock was hard and effective in its use, its weakness allowed it to be shaped. And this weakness was that when struck by another hard stone, it would splinter. Yes, flint was useful, but when compared to our heart's condition, I don't want to be splintered. I don't want to be splintered because of hard things beating upon me. I don't want to develop sharp edges because of life's afflictions. When the Lord is with us, we don't. Flint also, when hit against steel, will spark. It's possible that either to begin a fire or during his workings with wood to build the ship, that Nephi utilized this reactionary rock. And the Lamanites, just like Flint, when they were without the presence of the Lord, they were reactionary, easily sparked, and the fire of hatred constantly burned within their hearts or smoldered there until they were provoked or reminded of the wrongs that were done upon them. And then, boom, the fire then is ignited in their heart again. Also, without the presence of the Lord's Spirit, the Lamanites became an idle people. To be idle is to avoid work and to be lazy, to live without purpose and to have no effect. And truthfully, (laughs) I often long for idle days. My fantasy of an idle day often entails a sunny day with water lapping somewhere nearby. Undisturbed thoughts, a good book to escape in, my favorite soda with crushed ice and a lime, and no demands upon me. This is so out of my ordinary that I don't even know if I would know what to do with myself if I was given the opportunity for too many days of idleness. But I'll take two just to try it out, just to, you know, test and see what it's like. What I do know, though, is that when I am given too much leisure time, I kind of start to have like little small feelings of agitation or restlessness, maybe get even cranky. And have you seen this in your children? When perhaps you've allowed too much TV time or electronic use and arguments begin amongst them. He's taking my blanket. She's taking too much room on the couch. He always gets to choose what we watch on TV. (laughs) The complaining goes on and on. And then try turning it off. (laughs) And it takes a while for their brains to create a new experience for themselves. They're at first resistant, whiny even. And watching them fight that lethargy is fascinating and aggravating all at once. Thank goodness for outside where they can wake up and tune into the real world around them. Motion changes emotion. And I think that these are the dangers of being idle. And when you link that to being without the spirit, you can see how trapping being without a purpose or having an effect can become. You are dull to the spirit and its energizing effects. Idleness can be a counterfeit feeling 
of peace and rest. We sometimes mistakenly long to be idle when actually it isn't what we really truly desire. Nephi also described the Lamanites as being full of mischief and subtlety. And again, with the description of my children and how they behave when they've been idle for too long, I can actually see where this mischief comes into play. But what is Nephi meaning by subtlety? And I looked up this word too because I tend to think about the word subtle in terms probably romanticized. Like in books where they describe subtle colors or subtle personalities that equate in my mind as muted or unprovoking, delicate, or even perhaps dull. But subtle can also mean elusive or difficult to understand or identify. Imagine that in a people who don't have concrete beliefs of right and wrong. Instead, They have layers in their communication that they understand, but perhaps you don't. The spirit doesn't work in deceptive layers or with complex rules because the word subtle can also refer to being cunning or devious. Subtle in meaning and subtle in principles and subtle in communications can make for a volatile experience that can be manipulated based on the temperament or the motives of those involved. Because the words idle and mischief precede the word subtle, I don't know, I believe that that is probably what Nephi is referring to and describing. To be with the spirit, which is transparent and works within moral principles of the Lord, that produces clarity, calm, security, and possibilities. And how can I say this? Let's look at the Nephites. Nephi took his people and their tents and whatever else they could carry with them. And they traveled away for many days until they came to a place that they chose to name Nephi. And they as a people chose to be named Nephites. And they observed to keep the judgments and the statutes and the commandments of the Lord in all things according to the law of Moses. And because of this, the Lord was with them. He prospered them. Where the Lamanites hunted for beasts of prey, the Nephites cultivated the ground they lived upon. They did sow seed, reap in abundance, and they raised flocks, herds, and animals of every kind. Nephi brought with him the brass plates, which angered Laman and Lemuel. It will be one of their contentions against him. But because he did, his people were preserved in the word of God, in keeping remembrance of him, and the Lord prospered them. Nephi also brought the Liahona, which I'm sure guided them and gave them direction and counsel, and the Lord prospered them. And soon the people multiplied, another evidence of prospering. Nephi also took along with them the sword of Laban, which they used as a pattern to make swords to defend themselves against the hatred of their brethren that they had left. What is sad is that they had to use those swords, but the Lord prospered them. Nephi taught his people to build buildings and to work in all manner of wood and of iron and of copper and of brass and of steel and of gold and of silver and of precious ores, which were in great abundance. You know, could Nephi have even done any of this without first having built a ship? 
Would he have had the knowledge of how to work with any of these materials? The knowledge and the confidence that Nephi gained step by step while building the ship after the manner of the Lord prepared him and opened up the possibilities in his mind that he, with the help of the Lord, could build a civilization. What is the Lord preparing you to do if you would just hearken unto him? To put aside your fears. To not let it be an excuse that you've never done it before. How will you increase in wisdom, ability, and confidence if you do? How will he prosper you? And I, Nephi, did build a temple. And I did construct it after the manner of the temple of Solomon, save it were not built of so many precious things. For they were not to be found upon the land. Wherefore, it could not be built like unto Solomon's temple. And the workings thereof was exceedingly fine. Nephi built a temple. And one of the observations that I made as I read Saints Volume 1 was how the Lord always commanded his people to build a temple. And despite the temporal ordeals that the saints were maneuvering through, the Lord desired them to build a temple. And I found this curious. The Lord knew what they were struggling through on a day-to-day basis. He knew their needs. He knew the difficulties that their families were experiencing. He even knew, even though the saints did not, that the saints would not remain in Kirtland, would not thrive in Missouri, or would barely finish the temple before they were forced to leave Nauvoo. Yet still he commanded them to build temples, or in the case of Missouri, to lay a cornerstone for the temple. The understanding that I gained from watching and reading this pattern of the Lord and asking questions, prayerful questions, about trying to understand the Lord's workings amongst his people during this time. I found it simply put on the church's website under the article, Why Latter-day Saints Build Temples. It says, From the very beginning, there have been sacred places upon the earth where God has communed with his children. They were designated by God and hallowed by his presence as places where he would teach and bless his children, end quote. He would prosper them. Just like we do today, the saints of Joseph Smith's time and the Nephites benefited from the teachings and blessings they received from God in his holy temples. They were prospered. With all of this guidance that Nephi gave his people, who desired to be called after him. They also desired for him to be their king. And Nephi did not desire for his people to have a king, but he did for them according to that which was in his power, he said. They were a people guiding themselves under the guidance of the laws and principles of God, who were organized, they were organized with priests and teachers, specifically Jacob and Joseph, who were the sons of Lehi, remember, born in the wilderness. And they were encouraged to be unified, diligent, and committed in all things. And this stood in contrast to their brethren, the Lamanites. 
The Nephites cultivated the ground, and their herds followed the word of God, were guidable, teachable. They found joy in their posterity. They learned self-protection and ingenuity, industry. They engaged in creating and building with their hands and prioritized temple worship and even designated a place to receive further teachings from him. In all of this, they increased or they were prospered. All of this is the manner of happiness that they lived by. All of these things also bring us happiness. They are the ways of God's people. It's in our DNA. It's the workings of our God that manifest itself in our souls. They are the values of Latter-day Saints now and of God's children in the past. So, when you are feeling hardened or darkened by dark thoughts and feelings, when you miss the light that the presence of the Lord brings into your life, when you are easily splintered by your afflictions or feel the fire of hatred sparked within you, when you've been idle for too long and feel mischievous, or when subtlety and deceit cloud your vision, recommit to the Lord's plan of happiness. Invite him back into your presence. Recommit to his word. Step into his presence in his temple and take time to enjoy your family. Create with your mind, your hands, and your heart. Tap into the ingenuity that is found in each one of us. And how can I say this? It's because of who we are. We are children of the Supreme Creator. And it's in us. And finally, be teachable, guidable, and unified with God. Be participants of His manner of happiness. Sister Scriptorians, are you happy? Are you living after the Lord's manner of happiness? Choose one area this week to grow in and invite the presence of the Lord to be more abundant in your life. Soon, your heart will be softened, sharp edges smoothed, and your reactionary temperament tempered by the Holy Ghost's presence within you. Have a good day.